Lord God, in this moment, may you be glorified and may these words be instructional and helpful to those who hear them. May your Holy Spirit speak through me and open our hearts to your truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before we share in Holy Communion today, and we'll have youth helping us with that as well, I want to share with you this passage of Scripture from Numbers. It's actually a prayer, a blessing. Moses is instructed by God to tell Aaron, when you bless the people of Israel, this is the words, these are the words that you are to pray over them. It is probably one of the oldest prayers in the Bible and is still prayed in Jewish synagogues today. And if it sounded familiar to you while Mills read it, it is probably because it's oftentimes used as a benediction, one of the favorite ones that I like to speak over this congregation. We will hear it sung for us uh, at the end of the service by our choir. And if you listen to contemporary Christian music on the radio, you will hear a version of it as well out there as it is sung in contemporary music. It's beautiful. But this prayer, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, is one that I learned in Methodist Youth Fellowship back in the 80s, 70s and 80s at Memorial Drive Methodist Church. Our youth group used it as a way of concluding our service time together, our worship together in the evenings. And friends, let me just say this to you. I believe that these words that I'm gonna drill down a little bit in detail with you were answered by God as they were spoken over me by our youth leaders and as well those in the youth group who spoke it over me. Natalie, thank you for your words, acknowledging your baptism and the fact that the church was faithful to its promise to nurse you in the faith, to pray for you, to encourage you, to walk alongside you, to be with you in confirmation as you knelt at the same chancel you'll kneel at today. And uh, Lord, that is a great answer to our prayers, that we as a church have the opportunity to invest in young lives. I shared uh, just yesterday in a funeral service that by the age of 18, if people have not heard the message of Christ and responded to it, the odds of them responding to the message of Christ after age 18 drops significantly. So we must be reminded that our youth ministry, our children's ministry is so significant, very important as we come alongside families because friends, you as parents have done a great job as well. You stood at the chancel rail or in core and you made promises to these kids that you would raise them in the faith. And so we have just simply partnered with you, but most importantly, we say thanks to God, because God has done a good work in you, and we welcome you back to be here today to lead us in worship. Those words, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, have been answered in my life. And I just want to remind all of us today, in a language, in a culture today where we, a lot of people talk about the church hurt that they've experienced, they've given up on the local church, maybe they walked away from God. This is a day to remember that God's will is truly to bless his children. His will is to bless his people through the church. So in the ways, Lord, that we have failed, if we have hurt the mission of Christ through our actions or words, Lord, I confess, I ask for forgiveness for that. But most importantly, we want to be a church today that blesses these teenagers as they are before us, ready to go off and start the next adventure in their lives. As we look at this prayer really quickly, I wanna remind you this idea of a blessing of God 
It's, it's been there from the very beginning of the scripture. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, and the Lord created man and woman in his own image. He created them. Before, you know, God does all this miraculous creation in the chapter one of the, of the Bible, and then he creates the pinnacle, the highlight, the, the masterpiece of his creation, making human beings. And then it says two verses later, it says in verse 128 of Genesis, and God blessed them. God's will is to bless that which he has created that it might fulfill and become that which God has intended it to be. It was people entered the temple courts in Jesus' day and even before that, they would hear the words, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Hebrew children, it was very important to receive the blessing of God from the parent who would offer that blessing and speak, them, speak it over them. So as we take a closer look at this, the Lord bless you and keep you. I want to remind you that the word bless in Hebrew is barak, and barak simply means, and I love this, it means to kneel. It means to kneel humbly, because when we receive the blessing of God, we come as humble individuals, not deserving of God's goodness, but we kneel in adoration and love for God, and God blesses us. That's why I think kneel is connected, our bended knee is connected with the word blessing. And when we receive Holy Communion today in this sanctuary, we will kneel in humble adoration of Christ and we will receive and be fed the very body and blood of Christ as we are nurtured in our faith. You know, we're not coming today in a posture of just saying, okay, kids, it's time to get out there, go get your college degrees, go into the army, Jer, and, and uh, make, make a life for yourself, because we understand it is with the help of God, it is with the blessing of God that you will go and fulfill the dreams and the visions that God has for you. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Today, we are asking the good God of heaven to bless these individuals and to bless our lives as we as a church gather in Christ's name. It is God's nature to bless. And at the end of the service, we will lay our hands on these youth and we will pray a blessing over them. And I hope to hear prayers for church connections, as Nate has already prayed here, that when they go off to college, wherever they shall go, even if they stay in this community, they will continue to find Christian people to connect with, to nurture them and encourage them in their faith. I pray that if they go through a struggle in life, if they have a failure, and we talked about this during the breakfast, I made a 14 in college on a chemistry exam. It was the most humbling experience, and get this, my dad's a chemical engineer, was a chemical engineer, and I had to let my dad know, I'm gonna get a C in chemistry, dad. It's my first time I've ever gotten a C in my life. And there was a sense of just failure in that. But by God's grace, we get up and we redirect our lives and we go into the ministry and not being an engineer. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you in different ways. We also talk about God keeping us. I wanna share with you the word in Hebrew for keep is shamar. And keep means to keep a watch on, to preserve, to protect. 
One of the most beautiful illustrations I want to remind you of is Jesus and the I am statements. There are two I am statements that Jesus offers. He says, I am what? The good shepherd, right? Keeping watch over the flock. And I am the gate. And I always wondered, what does it mean for Jesus to be the gate? It's very much connected to the I am the good shepherd passage. Because when a shepherd was moving his flock from pasture to pasture, hillside to hillside to feed them, there were community areas that were rocked off. They had walls of rock and the sheep would be brought into that pen. And it had no gate because the shepherd was the gate. And the reason the shepherd laid down his life in that gateway was to make sure that no predator could come into that pen and destroy those sheep at night. What a beautiful, loving shepherd Jesus is. And he goes with you wherever you go to the army, to go to college, whether you're going to college in Chicago or Nacogdoches. He will be with you as a good shepherd and he will keep a watch on you. I remember the words of Jesus from Matthew 9, 36, when he said, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. One of the greatest blessings to hear this morning is God is our good shepherd, and he will keep watch over you wherever you go. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Many commentators believe that the reference here back to Moses is, remember Moses, when you went up to the mountaintop on Mount Sinai and I gave you the Ten Commandments and you came back down, do you remember what you looked like? Do you remember having to put a veil over your face? Do you all remember the story from Exodus 34? Moses came down from the mountain and he was such a glow that the people said, Moses, it's too much. The glow on your face is too much. You've got to put a veil over it. We cannot sleep at night. You're glowing up the whole camp. But let me just say this to you, friends. Do you know those kind of people? I'm looking at Julie Brown right now. She's one of them. That when you just see them, they glow with Jesus. You know, they're the kind of people, David Nichols, they glow with Jesus because they spend time with the Lord in devotions and prayer. And so they, they have that glow about them. That love of Jesus just oozes out of them. And friends, that's the same shining that God wants to bring, make his face shine on you so that you will be like Jesus' words, shine before others and let them see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. May God's face shine on you and may God's grace be gracious unto you. God's grace, if there's one thing that I hope you've learned here at Marvin Church is that when you make a mistake, God's grace is ready to be with you and embrace you and forgive you. Now we live in a culture that likes to point fingers. We live in a culture today that wants to rationalize and justify, well, this is the why I did it, or it's his fault, or it's their fault, that's why I did it. And nobody wants to just step up and take responsibility and say, you know what, I was wrong. But let me tell you, one of the greatest things you can learn in following Jesus is when you make a mistake to just say, Lord, I was wrong. That's what it means to confess your sin. I was wrong. And then hear this out now. Will you forgive me? Use those words. God, will you please forgive me? And that is a word that is so powerful because when you speak that word, asking for forgiveness, God's 
grace and mercy just floods over you. I hope that you have come to know the love of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for you, because because of that death, that grace pours over our hearts, heals our hearts. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, as we come forward here in a moment for communion, there will be a confessional prayer we will say as a corporate body. Brandy will speak words of pardon over us. But when you come for communion, you are forgiven, friends. You are forgiven. And when that body and blood is presented to you, that bread and that juice is presented to you, you will hear those words, the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you so that you can live in relationship with God because of God's grace. Now let's finish this out. The turn, the Lord turn his face toward you and give, his, give him your peace. What does it mean to turn one's face towards you? I quoted Dallas Willard in my breakfast talk to you all this morning. Dallas Willard is someone I love to read, bright guy, he's now with the Lord, was a professor of philosophy at University of Southern California, giant of the faith and American spirituality in his time. And friends, his mother died when he was three years of age. And like lots of three-year-olds, he would go and climb in bed with his father because he was lonely at night and he missed his mother. And he said, I often would say this, Father, is your face turned toward me now? And his father would say, yes, son, you are not alone. I am with you. My face is towards you. I want to remind all of you here today on this front row, God's face is turned towards you because he loves you. And when you have those difficult moments that I shared at the breakfast, what my son went through at Baylor, a very hard experience that he had to go through, but God's face was turned toward him. God was sympathetic. God was empathetic. God was around him and encouraging him and blessing him through the prayers and support of others. God's face is turned toward you. So whatever happens when you have those hard days at school, whatever those hard days when the, when the, um, Sergeant, the drill sergeant's hard on you, Chair. Okay, remember, God's face is looking down at you. And one last way of looking at this, Dallas Lillard in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, tells a story, I love this story, of a two-year-old girl who discovered the secret of making mud pies in the backyard of her grandmother's. She turned on the faucet and got in the dirt and she started making what she called warm chocolate pies. And the grandmother came out and realized what was going on, realized that this little girl was a mess. Said, Larissa, get out of the mud. And she came and she put a chair on the back patio. She began to watch little Larissa continue to play. And she wanted so bad to play in the mud. And then came the words, Nana, don't look at me, okay? Nana, don't look at me. Why? because she wanted to do what she was just told not to do. And when we were doing things in the words of Dallas Willard, when we choose to do wrong or not to do what is right, we also choose hiddenness. Think about it, friends. You oftentimes will get in trouble when you're alone, when you're hidden away and you don't want anybody to know what you're up to. That's when temptation comes at us. But I want you to think about that in that moment to think about these words, God, don't look at me right now. Don't look at me right now. Before you make that decision to succumb to whatever that temptation might be. The good news is 
to say God is a God who forgives and is ready to forgive when we do make mistakes. But I remind you of Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. I don't know about you, but when something atrocious is happening, sometimes I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And I think that God in his holiness can be like that as well. We want God's eyes fixed on us. We want God's eyes, his face turned towards us, which means we make decisions to continue our work for sanctification in the grace of God. We come to the communion table today seeking also the peace of Christ, and this is where we'll end. You come to the communion table confessing sin, declaring the pardon, but hear Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. We don't have to be afraid of God. We can enter into the holy of holies of God. We can come into his presence with confidence because Christ has made us righteous before God through his blood on the cross. And I want to remind you also of my, one of my favorite passages. I hope that you'll memorize this if you haven't done it already. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you get anxious thoughts, when your heart feels anxious inside you, a lot of transitions about ready to happen. You start feeling that anxiety ramp up. Ask for the sentry of Christ's peace to stand watch. Stand watch over your heart and your mind. That's the promise of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that the peace of Christ will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Well, friends, we're proud of you. We want to pray again these beautiful words. And let me just close before we begin with communion by saying these again. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We love you. And today at this Holy Communion table, know that Jesus loves you. God loves you. And because of the bread and the juice that you will drink today, you are brought into fellowship with this loving God who blesses you. And at the very end of the service today, we will lay our hands upon you and we will pray God's very much blessing over you and God's peace to fill your hearts. We're proud of you. Congratulations. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler. God's up to something here at Marvin Church, and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church, its ministry, and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any help and assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you let us know.